2: AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. And we're back on Dealing Together,
1: where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller?
2: I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free.
3: Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal?
1: I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller.
2: Course.
1: Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade in. ATT connecting
2: changes everything. Offers vary by device, subject to change. S24 Plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See t.com Samsung for details.
0: Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. As we record this episode, there are currently 50 states in the Union. Only 50? Only 50. It feels like there'd be more. It feels like there should be more, and it's strange when we think about how recently some of those states were added. You know, like in our earlier um, podcast about Vermont when we talked about the former Kingdom of Hawaii.
1: That's right. I think, wasn't it only in the... 50s that those two were added. I think Alaska and Hawaii
0: were the last two. I'm Noel, by the way. Yes! Noel! (laughs) Who are you, man? Who are you? (laughs) Oh, that's right. I'm Ben and we are joined, of course, with our super producer, Casey Pegram. Hawaii, I think, was in... um when was it specifically? It was in the 50s.
1: It looks like it's 59 here, according to my handy-dandy research materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alaska and Hawaii were given statehood in that same year. But we've got 60 years in the interim, and, mm-hmm. and I haven't heard about any new states in a minute. Uh, yeah. My last time I checked, I don't know about you, Ben.
0: Yeah, it's a it's kind of a bummer, right, because how exciting and strange it must have been to be alive at a time when an extra star or two was added to the flag. That's nuts.
1: Yeah, I'd just be irritated for all those people that have the flags with the 50 stars, Now I go, oh, God, i got to
0: get another yeah.
1: flag now. The guy who owns the flag factory, mm-hmm. or the, the woman who owns the flag factory. Doesn't seem tenable. I actually remember in a recent episode we did about Vermont, the question I think I posed was, how do you secede exactly? Like, mm-hmm. what, what's the process for that? Is it even possible? And we kind of came to the conclusion that Yes,
0: in theory, it's possible, but
1: right. doesn't really happen
0: that way, right? No, it doesn't. It's, it's easy to propose the intention to secede, but it's difficult to secede successfully. You are that the was tough.
1: alliterative king, my man. <laughs> that was tough. I are we was. also
0: going to get to check off a bunch
1: of state episodes in one go in this episode today? Holy smokes, do you think it counts for uh, uh, I don't know if it does. Because... Our rules were going to be that they had to be focused on one state. Yeah. It's a little cheap to do it this
0: way. And they also have to be real states. Spoiler to anyone who didn't read the title of today's episode. Today we are exploring states that were almost states?
1: Yeah, Or proposed states? What do you call them? Like, uh... Ghost states. Yeah, I
0: like that. Yeah, yeah. Or
1: just how about this: the United States that never were.
0: There we go. Does that, that sound good? That's got a touch of poetry mm-hmm. to it. I like that. Yeah, we, uh, along with uh, some help from our fantastic research associate Christopher Hasiotis of Louis Louis fame. Does he have a sound effect yet? Maybe it's maybe it's Louis Louis. I don't know. Whatever, man. Let's yeah. leave it to Casey. But I think he needs one. And now, pronto, agreed. Uh, we found. We we started digging into this, and we thought maybe we would find one or two proposed states that for one reason or another didn't work out. Not the case. Not the case. We found so many, so many, in fact, that we cannot – we cannot do them all justice in a single episode. Or we
1: might just brush over them because they have a fun name. Yeah. Uh, some of the stories behind these are a little drier than others, and mm-hmm. some of them are, you know, what we would consider the the caliber of ridiculousness
0: that we strive for on this show every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So w- what do you want to kick off with first, Noel? I think it's fine for us to sort of jump around here.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Crisscross um, style. Crisscross will make you want to jump around. Mm-hmm. The outline. Uh, I think in honor of our dear friend F. Scott Benjamin, uh,
0: yes. we should go with Scott. Yes, it is true. Scott, that was uh, the name of a state. The full name, I believe, was the free and independent state of Scott. Is that correct?
1: I think it is, Ben. It's, it sounds like a pleasant place to live. Oh. But I'm just I'm, I'm filtering that through the lens of Scott Benjamin. Who can do no wrong. If he was a state— I would live there.
0: Yeah, I would love to be in that Scott state of mind. Yeah, the the state of Scott got its namesake from Scott County, Tennessee, because the county itself, I believe, decided to secede from Tennessee in protest of Tennessee seceding from the United States. Right. The problem here is that they can, the, that county government unilaterally said, We secede. It's not as if the rest of Tennessee was on board with it. And it wanted to become an enclave community of the union. But oddly enough, it kind of, sort of, technically a little bit succeeded for a while. Succeeded. Not succeeded. Well, I guess our... maybe kind of well, both. It's kind of both. We yeah, don't
1: yeah. want to, we don't want to. Confuse anybody? So this is the least of all me because I get confused. (laughs) I get words mixed up. I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, but this is the Civil War and the free and independent state of Scott. Mm -hmm. That just sounds so so nice, so great. Um, It was again founded during the Civil War um, because Scott County wasn't down with. Tennessee joining the Confederacy or they had no interest in joining what's called the Confederate States of America, which for some reason I'd never thought of it in those terms, but obviously that makes sense. It's Ooh. the States that wanted to secede from the union and form their own country and did and
0: did unrecognized, but, unrecognized. They, but they did form a very short lived 1861 to 1865.
1: That's right. You're talking about the CSA. Yeah. Yeah. So Scott County was not down with that because people Most of the people that lived there were not plantation holders or slave owners, and they had the majority um, interest here, and so they just weren't down with joining it. And so they wanted to remain a union state, which is like anomalous in a state like Tennessee, which would have been firmly as a whole pro-Confederacy,
0: right? You know, it's weird because it's relatively rare for us to see entirely – entirely unanimous decisions like That's true. It's like with
1: the Maryland episode where I assumed Maryland was going to be more like New York or more like, you know, the North and be pro-union. But in fact, they were kind of in the middle where there was a contingent on both sides. But that's true everywhere. We we start to think geographically in terms of, like, everyone is a certain way, and and we know that's not the case.
0: Well, one thing that the people of Scott County seemed pretty unanimous on was that they were against it. They were not having it. On June eighth, eighteen sixty one, they decide that they are going to secede. But then a really fascinating thing happens because well, they made a
1: proclamation yes. to the government of the state saying, "Yo, this is what we're doing. We're out." And what did Tennessee do? Nothing. Nothing.
0: They ignored it. They it, when we say ignored, we have to underline the incredible extreme to which they ignored this. Not only did they not object, they didn't respond at all. Now they were busy in the Civil War. Wow, that's fair. And also, you know, this this should be said, the state of Scott, Scott County, it's like right on the northern border of Mm -hmm. modern-day Tennessee. Mm -hmm. That's mountain country, and it wasn't, it wasn't a real hotspot for no. the battles of the Civil War.
1: That's right. It, so, would, it would have largely remained kind of un- unnoticed, its own little enclave, right? Mm-hmm. A little island in the stream. But man, you would think, okay, okay, they would ignore it for till the war settled down, sure. right?
0: Like by eighteen seventy. Surely, no, no, not the case, right? How, it, lo- how what, long? Nineteen hundred. Uh, oof, I think we got to keep prices right in
1: this one. All right, we're playing games here. It was 1986. <laughs> Weird, what? right? Yeah, like it's that nuts. was. Like, I was born in 1983, so <laughs> there was this forgotten, lost state of Scott, the independent, the free and independent, <laughs> independent state of Scott, which sounds <laughs> delightful. Um, but it's funny too because they mm-hmm. actually had to request of Tennessee <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> to be readmitted. Right? Yes. And they held a—this uh, is, is has such a nice ending. The state of Tennessee even held a little party, a little shindig, welcoming Scott back into the state of Tennessee.
1: The thing is, though, like, it goes both ways because not only did Tennessee not acknowledge them, it didn't really grant them— their statehood,
0: so was it ever really a state? No, it's just the, proclamation. It's the it, proclamation, it just stayed on the books. Yeah, but think about it, it'd be very difficult to enforce that because to be your own state, you have to have all this infrastructure and yeah. legislature that not only did they not have, but was probably uncalled for given the population. Yeah, what kind of population do you think we're talking? Yeah, as of 2010. The population of modern-day Scott County is 22,228 people.
1: It surely would have been less in the Civil War days. Yes, certainly.
0: That is the uh, story of Scott County, which I I thought was a really nice one.
1: Yeah, a.k.a. the the, the free and independent state (laughs) of Scott. (laughs) No, formerly known as (laughs) the free and independent state of Scott.
0: And you can tell that we just fell in love with saying that name. But that's far from the only state we found. There were a couple that really caught your interest, too, that you, you were sending me some stuff about off-air. Yeah, I
1: think mainly the, well, there's a lot of fun things about this one, but uh, the first one for me is the fact that the name as spelled, not you're never going to say it right unless you read somewhere <laughs> how to say it right. Um, so I'm going to say it how it looks on paper, and then um. I'm going to backtrack and find the pronunciation and say here i actually supposed to pronounce it. But on paper, it looks like Absaroka. Yep. But I believe it's absorca. Absorka. Absorka. So like, you know, if you're looking at a pronunciation guide, it's like ab ab lowercase dash capital sork you
3: know, for the <laughs> for
1: the emphasis. Yeah. And then uh, Absorka. Um and this revolves around New Deal politics. Mm-hmm. What's New Deal politics, Ben?
0: New Deal politics. Politics. It's it's an umbrella term that describes a series of different programs and public works policies and then also financial reforms that occurred from 1933 to 1936. Very, FDR, right? Yeah, very mm-hmm. popular with the poor and disenfranchised largely unpopular with the wealthy and elite, Noel.
1: Yeah, it, it, it sort of smacks of, like, socialism in a way. Like, yeah. I think it gets a bad rap or people sort of use the the S-word when describing it. <laughs> right. If they're, you know, trying to uh, abuse it, right? Mm-hmm. So this particular uh, state that never was uh, revolves around New Deal politics and the fine people of South Dakota, Montana, and Wyoming, right? Mm-hmm. So, um... There's a place called Sheridan, Wyoming. And back in 1939, on the cusp of World War II, you had a state that was largely unconcerned or unaffected by these New Deal policies that were being put in place. And that's because they were an agrarian community. Right. They, they, you know, actually, the way it's described in this incredible article from the New York Times called A State That Never Was in Wyoming, um, they grew grass, which sounds really boring. Do you watch it grow?
0: Like livestock, one would imagine? Yeah,
1: exactly. They are described as having a grass culture. Um, And there's a quote in this article from a guy named Ken Kearns, who is a rancher who lived most of his life in this area, and he said, the grass culture, people who make a living from growing grass or from the animals that eat the grass. And that was what the idea behind this absorka community would be. So, you know, the folks of Wyoming... Um, there, there were there's obviously two sides. There's, there's the more agrarian side, and then you've got the southern part where you've got the railroad, and that's where like the seat of government was. Mm-hmm. And apparently, that's still you've got the other side that would have been more Republican, and then the side that I'm talking about with the you know the the city centers and the more um, the equivalent of an urban center in Wyoming, which isn't going to be the same as you know Atlanta or New York or Los Angeles. And those like
0: left wing liberals are controlling. They are. a lot of the state's economy.
1: They are, but. Apparently, the other folks in the other part of the country had been more typically Republican and they felt like FDR maybe could offer them something. Because like you said, Ben, the the depression had hit everyone and there was concern for what what are we going to do to help, you know, make uh, lemons into lemonade.
0: This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map.
1: And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car is called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their
0: And don't delay. Today you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details.
1: Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details.
0: Sometimes to get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. We're nothing if not trailblazers here at Ridiculous History. And you know who also
1: is a huge uh, iconoclastic challenger of the status quo, Ben?
0: Who is that, Noel? I think
1: you know. It's Harry's.
0: Hmm. Yes, it's Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by all kinds of like slipshod, questionable products in the shaving industry. And they said, hey, you got to be the change. I was excited to try out the Winston set. It's an all-in-one package. You get some shaving cream. You get that great razor we're talking about. They also have deodorant.
1: Yeah, I was about to say. Very helpful. I do really enjoy uh, their line of self-care products. Um, Richly lathering, skin-softening body washes and scents like redwood,
0: wild lens, and stone. You want to know what a stone smells like? I've often wondered. Only now you can. (laughs) So don't settle for the status quo, folks. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just
1: $3 at harrys.com slash history.
0: Once again, that's harrys.com slash history for a $3 trial set. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's this. There's always a catch.
1: So when we heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, what's the catch?
0: So we dug in, and after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't a catch. Can you believe that?
1: Mint Mobile's got a secret sauce, babies, and it is that they sell wireless service online. And by doing so, cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet, sweet, delicious savings directly onto you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just fifteen bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous.
0: That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill of fifteen bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous.
1: Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile
3: for details.
0: So what happened? Can you take us back to the uh, that explosive? Tipping point moment in Sheridan, Wyoming.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can. Um, there was this guy by the name of A. R. Swickard, um, and he uh, had had a career in baseball. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he was in like the farm leagues, or I don't think he was in the majors. But I've I've, I've read him describe. He's, there's not a whole heck of a lot about this guy, Mm-mm. but he also was something called a street commissioner. Do you know what a street commissioner has
0: been? Yeah, man, they commissioned streets. All right, okay. Well, you, it's, it, it's like a, um, now this is conjecture. If you are a street commissioner, please write in and tell us about your day-to-day job. Uh, from our understanding, or from my understanding at least, a street commissioner is kind of a manager of municipal affairs. To some degree, right? I know that's very vague.
1: Yeah, I've got here on a, a kind of a, <laughs> a career site, um, a, a job as a street commissioner falls under the broader career category of general and operations managers. Still vague. That's yeah, what I saw as well. Uh, sort of a city planner, I think, maybe, kind of yeah, type guy. City official. Exactly. So this guy, Swickard. Swickard?
0: Mm-hmm. swaggered
1: Yes. Jimmy swagger No, Swickard. A.R. Swickard. Former baseball player, former street commissioner. Now we know a little bit what that is. Um, he was... Kind of fed up with the way the money that was coming into improvement projects that the New Deal supported, like infrastructure, and you know, it generated jobs by doing these big infrastructure improvements, whether it was roadways, roadways or railroads or anything like that. And that kind of infrastructure in Wyoming was on the other side,
0: of went this. to the fat cats, the
1: fat cats exactly. And it just there was a sense that uh, the working types, like the you know, the ranchers that weren't mm-hmm. getting any of this cash. They weren't getting any benefit from this New Deal stuff. So they were like, what gives? And this guy Swickert was able to kind of key in on that and start this movement,
0: right? Yeah. He appointed himself governor. Uh, He said that this area, uh, parts of Montana, South Dakota, and Wyoming, a really strange selection of the parts, but it makes sense politically. Politically
1: and also in terms of like the the ag Focus, yes, the exactly. Focus. Yeah, exactly. The demographics, mm-hmm,
0: everything. Mm-hmm. So he he declared Sheridan, Wyoming, the capital of Absoroka and Absorka. Absorca. Absor-
1: it's weird. It's Absor-ka. it's, it's Absor-ka. counterintuitive. I yeah. keep,
0: I keep squeezing that second O. In well, there. it
1: did like in, in the New York Times article. Yeah. The very first, very first, uh, first paragraph. It gives it to you in, in, in full parentheses with the Absorka and it is a, an Indian term, Native yeah. American term from, from the Crow, Crow
0: tribe, right? Meaning children of the large-beaked bird. So he just says, I'm governor now. Sure. Sheridan is the capital. Come to me, people of this new state, and tell me your grievances. Yeah, and they did. And they did. And it
1: um, it started to pick up a little steam, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, like things tend to do with these high-minded pie-in-the-sky, you know, <sighs> protesty kind of situations, it didn't
0: quite work out. The way he was planning. They got license plates though. They had a beauty pageant. They had some stuff going on. Yeah, did you say beauty pageant already, Ben? Yeah, beauty pageant. You know, this is
1: this is the this is the, the, the great work, as we I think <laughs> described in a previous episode. Um and yeah, but Miss Miss Absorka of nineteen thirty nine would apparently be the last. But they did host a, a diplomatic visit from the King of Norway.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, classic uh, supporter of Absaroka now, according to history. And it's interesting because this name, Swicker didn't just make it up. It is the name of a pre-existing mountain range. And one of the main reasons that we know about this today is due to, oddly enough, the New Deal, the Federal Writers Project, which was part of the FDR programs. That's right. But when, when did this all fall apart? They never got approval or yeah. you know, what do you call it? They didn't submit it to Congress. The citizen, it was very much a grassroots Grassroots. movement. There was
1: was a grass culture we talked about earlier.
0: So that story, I I don't know. I, I find it inspiring, the determination, ambition, and sense of grandiosity it takes to one day get up and say, you know what? Here's a new thing. I'm the governor.
1: Oh, here's a good little little bit to wrap this one up on. Um, a couple quotes from Swickard that uh, really show that he had some he had some cojones. He had he had some swagger. Um, he said of of this effort, of this potential agglomerating of uh, of these territories into a new state. He said um, when this thing was really starting to heat up, had some real legs and some hot movement, was getting some press coverage. He said, "We'll make our own laws, just like the Wyoming legislators do in the big hotel at Cheyenne." Right. Uh, he said, I told the governor of our sister state to the south of Buffalo that we had no warlike designs and that the rumors we might secede by force were erroneous. We Ab- Absor- Absoridans, Absorodans it does say sick here in the article, so maybe that's a misspeak. Um, but we are a peace loving lot. And while we think that we really
0: need the state of
1: Absorca, we are not
0: inclined to revolution. Right, so we're not going to go into a state of war over this. No,
1: because they didn't have an army. It would have been a
0: fool's errand, my friend. Yeah, but uh, this is only one example, right? We, again, as we said at the top, which now, in retrospect, I think it was prescient and smart of us to put this in. As we said at the top, we can't do all of the would-be states justice but what, what do you say we, we spend some time running through some of the high points?
1: It'll be a test of our brevity. What's your favorite?
0: On a personal level, uh, I, and I think a lot of you can agree with me out here, the would-be state of Superior, it was a movement that began in 1858 to make Michigan's Upper Peninsula a different state. And the reason I think that's interesting is because growing up, like many kids mm-hmm. in the U.S., mm-hmm. I kept thinking, why are these two— masses of land that are completely separate, why are they one state?
1: It utterly makes sense because even the people that live there talk about the UP, you Mm -hmm. know, and the, Mm -hmm. is there a
0: lower peninsula, upper peninsula? Yeah, the UP, Upper Peninsula. But
1: what, what do they call the other one? They call it, that's just... The LPs? The LP?
0: We are, we're not Michiganers. We're not. Michi-
1: yeah. Michiganders?
0: <laughs> Those are people who look at Michigan. But no, yeah.
1: and, and also, like, its proximity to Canada is really interesting, mm-hmm. and it totally, when you look at it on the map, the, the UP, as they call mm-hmm. it, does have its own distinct look and, right. and uh, borders.
0: Yeah, and this state, again, this proposal was put on ice because of the Civil War. Uh, Other people tried to propose the same thing in 1897 and even as recently as 1962. But when the Mackinac Bridge was open and connected the peninsula to the rest of Michigan, people said, okay, it can be one state. What about you? What's something really stood out to you? Oh, well, last thing, though, is oh, yeah. with
1: that one is it, it's come up multiple times. And a big part of why it was considered viable was because the Upper Peninsula was a huge supplier of copper in mm-hmm. the 1860s. But then, of course, like like you said, the Civil War kind of ground things to a halt. But the conversation did come up a few other times. Mm-hmm. Um, I am
0: a fan of Texlahoma. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, where the corn is as high as a portmanteau's eye,
1: and the wind goes sweeping down the—I don't know—something else, some other portmanteau.
0: Yeah, we have to find like three it's different fine.
1: geographical. We, we, we don't have time. We're trying to laundry list. Right
0: into us with your suggestions. Uh, tell me a little bit about Texlahoma, my friend.
1: Well, my friend, it's all about the uh, the automobile. Are you yeah. familiar with this uh, innovation?
0: Vaguely, I've heard good things.
1: Yeah, yeah. You still driving the Monte Carlo?
0: I do. I do drive the Monte Carlo. Well um
1: uh, this is uh, around World War 2 or pre-World it's just pre-World War 2 mm-hmm. cars were a hot commodity everybody had to have one but the road systems were
0: pretty terrible. Right. Before the interstate's constructed.
1: Before the New Deal, like Mm -hmm. we were talking about earlier, right? Big, big change there. Um, So especially in more rural parts, um, like you have your Texas and your Oklahoma, northern and western respectively, horrible, horrible road conditions, right? Um, And no one was doing anything about it. So there was this proposal to combine these regions into Texlahoma, uh, is that a poor man, too? Yeah, I that's, it. that's right. That's okay. qualifies. Yes. OK, good, 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 good. Um, so, yeah, uh, technically, if there was this new state and they were able to control their own interests, they would, in theory, have the ability to improve their their infrastructure um, separate from the again, the fat cats in Austin
0: or <laughs> right. Oklahoma City. Those overfed badgers in the in the big towns, yeah, uh, they felt like they would be able to have better representation on That's a right. local level. Well, there there's a problem, right? You could see the need for local legislation. That all sounds well and good, but the chief problem, at least according to a pretty funny article we found on Mental Floss called "Law States Texas, Oklahoma," the chief problem was that the proposals to split Texas. Would make the residents of the new state no longer Texans. And that was a big problem to the voting population. That's not gonna
1: fly. A Texan, that's a that's a badge of honor right, right. there, my
0: friend. Right. So for that reason, people would say, Well, we are you know what? We want our own thing, but we still want to be Texans.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, okay, in the interest of getting to an amazing segment we have coming up, I just want to list off a few more kind of silly names without giving you much of anything on them, and you can go look them up yourself. Let's go
0: and back and forth. Let's yeah. do it. All right. Uh, Deseret, the Salt Lake City Basin, mid-1840s, Church of Latter-day Saints. Boom. And Nickajack. <laughs> <laughs> I love
1: that one. <laughs> just leave it with that. Just, just you know, do, do your homework. Nick-a- yeah.
0: Nickajack. Transylvania, true story.
1: Yeah, the unofficial 14th colony, completely separated from Vlad the Impaler
0: and (laughs) then Draculd. And then the uh, incredibly unpoetic name, Delmarva. Yeah, Delmarva, just kind of clunky, right? This episode of
1: Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an
0: Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers this is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence, and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map.
1: And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta, and today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way, uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in, and then I can track their progress to and from their destination.
0: That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details.
2: Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Let's go! So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback
1: rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% Um so much fun stuff here. You should look some of these up for yourself, but we do have one yes. really really cool in my opinion and uh been a long time coming segment here, the third installment ever of Extra Credit.
0: Yes, Ridiculous Historians, it is time for Extra Credit, where we go a little bit above and beyond what you would see in a typical episode. Uh, You see, folks, we're not just looking at these would-be states from an abstract perspective. We went out and got ourselves somewhat of an expert. Fellow Ridiculous Historians, we would like to introduce you to retired Colonel Gladwin Bullen, who, among many achievements... Uh, happens to be my dad.
1: Okay, man, I thought you were going to, like, not even mention the fact that he was your dad, and that would have been a little strange, but I was going to roll with it. (laughs) Okay, I
3: thought we weren't going to mention that I was a retired colonel. Well, you know. I'll go with both. Okay.
0: All right, Dad, well, I hope I haven't given away too much of of your past adventures, but first, Noel and I would like to thank you so much for coming on to the show. Now, uh, our family is native to Tennessee, right? That's correct. And we have have a story in Tennessee history about a state that almost existed and isn't around today.
3: Could you tell us a little bit about this place? Well, it was called the State of Franklin uh, and really existed from about 1784 to 1789, about four and a half years. But before we get started on that, let me say to historians out there that might be listening in, uh, look, if I leave out something, trust me, you're right, I did, because we couldn't possibly cover oh, all the Oh, you clearly never listened turns. to this show before. This is like sort <laughs> of our
1: MO. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> this, everyone understands that. This, so you this gotta...
3: is a convoluted mess. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, uh, if you think that I didn't get something right, well, that depends on who you are. If you're a Tiptonite. A Tiptonite. Or if you're a Frank. So I'm
1: intrigued. So, yeah.
3: So let me say some more about that in a few minutes. But uh, just suffice to say now that history is written by who? The winners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no clear winner here.
1: There's also no state of Franklin, though. That's right. Right. right.
3: That's right. But there is a state of Tennessee. Now, let me set the stage here. Look, you know, we don't appreciate the world we live in right now. Uh, imagine if you lived in a land where... The government wasn't a clear thing. Mm-hmm. There were multiple governments and multiple people in charge who had authority when and where, and there were lots of players. There was the United States, oh, but it really was the first Confederacy mm-hmm. because it was organized then under the Articles of Confederation. Then there was the state of North Carolina. Then over the mountain lands, mm-hmm. There were the people called the Tiptonites who followed a man named Tipton, oddly enough, and a sheriff <laughs> named Pew. Uh, and then the people who were called Franks because they wanted the state of Franklin, and they were led by a guy named John Severe. So they're not called the Severians? That would be pretty severe now, wouldn't it? <laughs> so anyhow, uh, but let's go back even further than that to uh, 1780. Mm -hmm. It's a Revolutionary War. And in the South, uh, the uh, British forces didn't always use British forces. They used Tories. Mm. There was a major who was given the order, a Major Ferguson, got the order to organize a group of Tories and to march through South Carolina into North Carolina. A group of people came over to meet these guys called the Over-the-Mountain Men, which meant <laughs> they lived over the mountain from established North Carolina into the free counties. Okay. And they met Ferguson's people at the Battle of Kings Mountain, killed Ferguson, and just wiped the slate clean. Killed many uh, fellow American known as Tories who, of course, supported the King. That was the first time that North Carolina population really understood that there were people living on the other side of the Appalachian Mountains mm-hmm. that were also North Carolina citizens.
1: Because they didn't have the internet.
3: Right. <laughs> they, you know, no internet. Nobody called. Nobody wrote. Right. You know, so that was their, the first time that they even really realized there were people over there.
1: Yeah. That's an interesting concept, but it totally makes sense.
3: Yeah, they were just that isolated. So it was the over the mountain men that sort of introduced this land on the other side of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Then after the war, 1784, US forms the confederation and what is everybody doing? They're being broke. <laughs> the war was expensive. Sure. So North Carolina said, "Hey, tell you what, we'll give back all the land that's on the other side of the mountains." 29 million acres mm-hmm. and take that as our payment of our part of the debt, of the war debt. Mm. Okay. Okay?
0: Seems you like a know good what deal. The,
3: you know <laughs> what the United States did with that good deal? What did they do? Nothing. <laughs> they left it there. Really? So the people on the other side of the mountain were getting nervous, right? There was even talks that uh, the U.S. might even sell it to Spain or France to get the money. So... It, what were they
1: expected to have done with it? Like you say, they did nothing with it. What should they have done with it?
3: Well, you know, I didn't live there, so yeah. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> a casino, right? The, there you go. There's some up there now,
1: just to develop it in some way develop or set it up in up a, some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: gotcha. and, and but the the reason the U.S. didn't want to do anything with it, they thought the cost of governing that piece of land would be more than it would be worth. There wasn't any. I see. There wasn't any. Uh, Great. Nobody had any great ideas of what to do with that land, so they didn't do anything about it. North Carolina took it back mm. hmm. Okay, in the same year. But you know what? The people that lived over there said, gee, you know, we're not, some of them at least, said we're not real comfortable with this. They want to give us away, then nobody wants us. They want to sell it. Nobody wants us. That's so real... what did they do? They did what a lot of people did in those days. They formed their own government.
0: Really? Okay. They said local representation is best.
3: And so in Jonesboro, the town of Jonesboro, they formed their own government. Now, forget the fact that two blocks down the road, literally two blocks, North Carolina had an administrative office to run that area. Maybe it was a rough couple of blocks. Yeah, I guess it was. But they also drafted their own constitution, which had some good ideas, like Mm -hmm. no lawyers, no preachers, and no doctors could hold office. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It was never adopted, by the way, but they drafted that constitution. I kind of like it. I'm getting into it. Yeah. Well, you know, it was a good idea.
1: Isn't part of this story, too, though, that there was kind of a conspiracy where certain officials, like, had something to gain by the sale of this land? I was reading somewhere that when it was sold, it was actually sold to high-ranking members of the state government and then given to the U.S. government with the understanding that people would actually profit the, from it. There
3: was always a backdoor deal right. there, of course. Right. And again, that's some of the detail that I'm leaving out here because even that story drills down a long way. Sure, In 1785... This group did apply for statehood. The state of Franklin applied for statehood.
0: Would that be it, to the federal government?
3: Not federal government. Not to yet. To the confederated yeah, government. All right. And the confederated government turned it down with only seven states approving they needed two-thirds. And so technically, I guess that would have been about nine of the 13 states would have had to approve, but only seven approved. So they didn't, they didn't get the uh, statehood in 1785. If they had, they would have been the 14th state of the union. Which is crazy because from what you're describing,
0: if we look at the math, that means that the state of Franklin was two votes away from existing.
3: That's correct, at that point. And John Sevier was really disappointed with that. So he wrote a letter to who? Ben Franklin. Ah, oh, we go. And said, hey, Dr. Franklin... Uh, Could you use some of your influence? And Franklin wrote back, and it's really interesting with the language they used in those days. But he basically said, look, I really appreciate it that your name stayed after me, but I got no clue how to help you out.
1: So they were trying to appeal to him with flattery by naming the state yeah, after him. absolutely. Yeah, that, wow. was, that was
3: part of the play there. Clever, and but he no came, dice. But he did say, if I think of anything that might help you out, then yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll holler back at you. Because he was
1: a man with a pretty high opinion of himself. Yeah, I, bet yes. he, I bet he could be uh, plied with that kind of flattery. But, but if he didn't have anything to offer, he didn't have anything to offer, right? Well,
3: you know, there was a, the idea of how much political capital that was going to cost him. Uh, I'm sure was in his head. So the country was just sort of drifting at that point, Mm -hmm. particularly this over-the-mountain people. And so they just sort of kind of operated as their own independent government parallel to the North Carolina government.
1: So just no one cared.
3: No one cared.
1: But... We had another one of those in in the ones we were talking about earlier where Scott, I think it was... The free and independent independent state state of of Scott Scott (laughs) existed for like 127 years... Because it was nobody also Tennessee. Tennessee as well. Yeah. They didn't care. Nobody no, noticed. Nobody, nobody paid noticed. attention.
3: <laughs> well, what happened here, uh, they did move their state capital to Greenville. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Franklin folks did. And the reason they did that was because they finally decided that uh, being two blocks down from the North Carolina office was not that good a deal in mm. Jonesboro. <laughs> right. So they moved to Franklin. But in this all came to a head because John Severe was forever in trouble. He wouldn't pay North Carolina taxes, so this sheriff named Pugh seized his property uh, on behalf of North Carolina, which unfortunately included some slaves. Uh, John Severe wanted that back. Uh, he organized an army and attacked the uh, Tiptonites at Tipton's Farm mm-hmm. near Johnson City, Tennessee— and what would become Johnson City, Tennessee. And this battle went on for a raging 10 minutes, <laughs> about 100 guys against 100 guys, of which three Tiptonites were killed. Uh, Tipton wanted the head of John Severe, or even better, the head of John Severe Jr., all of who participated in that battle. Um, but what happened is John Severe withdrew, and... The next year, things just drifted along. Next year, here come the Indians. Okay, there was a guy named Dragon Canoe who was an Indian chief that never agreed with anything, with, uh, even with the other uh, Native Americans. The Cherokee were as segmented as everybody else, but they started attacking the uh, white settlements and severe needed help because his people were getting beat up. Mm -hmm. Couldn't get any help from North Carolina. Mm -hmm. The United States is broke. He asked Spain for a loan. Then he asked Spain to just take over the area. And just
0: run like an enclave.
3: That's right. Wasn't that
0: kind of what they were fearing in the first place?
3: Was uh, like having a
1: foreign... Control over yeah this land
3: a- absolutely, but you know what they feared Indians more. They okay. feared the American natives more.
1: When you first said the name of this uh, this Native American, I I I, I pictured dragon canoe mm-hmm. like a like a dragon canoe. No, dragging he, he was dragging canoe. the canoe. Yes. Yes. Very yes. Yeah.
3: yes, but at any rate, what ended up happening is that North Carolina arrested John Severe for treason. Uh, okay. I mean,
0: that's probably what would happen if I, or Noel successfully tried to sell <laughs> some Could piece I? of uh, like, if we tried to sell Atlanta mm-hmm. to, uh, I, let's name a country to, uh, I don't know. To Norway. Oh, Norway. Norway.
3: There yeah, you whatever. Go. I like
1: Norway. Yeah, Norway yeah, would, Whoever
0: good. has the best offer. Yeah. But I think the Norwegians
1: yeah. would be pretty agreeable to do deal with. You
3: yeah. Know?
0: yeah They yeah. seem pretty relatively chill. Nobody tell them about the summer here.
3: Well, there you go. At the end of all of this push and shove, they couldn't really take the head of John Sevier. Mm-hmm. So You mean this
1: figuratively or like they wanted that his head on uh, a
3: pike? The, the, <laughs> the tip, many of the Tiptonites wanted to hang him. Okay. Uh, but what ended up is that North Carolina le- allowed John Sevier and the rest of the Franks to swear allegiance to North Carolina, and that ended the state of Franklin. But it didn't end the idea of a separate state, mm-hmm. and so down in severe what is now Sevier County, they formed the Lesser Franklin government called Lesser Franklin. Oh, and that's they not very good. did that strictly to campaign for a new state. Oh wow! And so in the end, what North Carolina uh, accepted that. Uh, Rhode Island approved the Constitution in 1790, so we went under the new Constitution, uh, and the territory that would eventually be called Tennessee, and that's another story we don't have time for, uh, became the 16th state. So you're going to ask me who was the 14th state? A free republic called Vermont... Voted to join the union.
0: Yeah, that's right. We did an episode on oh, that. Did you? Sure did. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and
3: then and then the uh, fifteenth state uh, was Kentucky, just because they got their stuff together sooner. <laughs> now let me let me close this out with just a few facts, Ben. You don't know this, but you can be a member of the first families of Franklin. Oh,
1: cool. Wait, does that? Like you personally, Ben Bowen, it, because it, of your her heritage? It won't,
3: get you, it won't get you a hamburger anywhere. It'll oh. get you a little certificate, one of which your mom has, because— uh, <laughs> Some of your ancestors uh, were lived in East Tennessee during the state of Franklin.
0: Can I also nominate friends and family for membership? I'm not sure. I'm going to write to them. Noel, you want to be an honorary member of this? Of course, man. I, I love well, honorary stuff. Well, <laughs> they,
3: they won't let me in because I'm, I'm a Melungeon. Uh, you know, we came in— 1798-1800 to Newman's Ridge. Oh, we so, got to do a Melungeon episode. Story yeah. for another oh, day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, uh, the over-the-mountain men that I talked about, yep. who was among those? Well, one of the commanders was a guy named John Sevier. The over-the-mountain men, another soldier in that group, was John Crockett. His son, Davey, mm-hmm. is better known. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, also speaking of better known... Uh, would be, uh, who's the best-known uh, person from Sevier County? Uh, not John Sevier. As someone who the first governor of Tennessee was, very few people would say John Sevier, but that is who it was. Mm. But if you were to say Dolly Pardon Oh, really? I've heard, heard of her. Yes. Yeah, Dolly Pardon grew up in Sevier County, is a descendant of John Sevier, no. and a member of the descendants of John Sevier. And, one last thing. John Severe did lose his head. Really? In the 1950s, my dad made a statue. My dad was a sculptor. Mm-hmm. He made a 10-foot marble statue of John Sevier. For the longest time, it was in a bank, but in the 1980s, it got moved to the Knoxville, Tennessee, World's Fair Park. During a University of Tennessee pledge week, Someone cut the head off of John Severe. That's messed up. It's a $100,000 statue, but the head went missing.
1: So how much do you think the head would have been worth on its own?
3: Uh, who knows, but it's in some ple- in some fraternity house yep. probably, I guess. And yep. Nothing against Along that. Along with
1: some it. pilfered like road sign yes, up it's on it's the it's wall. A, yeah, know. it's yeah. probably
3: out there. Yep. But, uh, you know, the Tiptonites would be happy to hear that John Sevier finally lost his head. And with that, that's about all I got to say.
1: Man, that's a, that was plenty and all fascinating, and yeah. we are really grateful. I'm personally grateful for you coming and telling us this story.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show, Dad. This has been Extra Credit.
1: that is the end of the segment but not the show we hope you'll join us uh, next time for another episode of ridiculous history i'm not even sure what we're doing yet i think let's just leave the teaser off this time and keep people's imaginations running wild let's keep
0: the mystery you know uh in the meantime we would like to hear from you we want to hear your stories about local states that never were in your neck of the global woods you can find us on instagram facebook and twitter Of course. If you want to hang out with your fellow Ridiculous Historians who are, in our collective opinion, the best part of the show, visit us on Ridiculous Historians. Yeah,
1: just send us a request to join the group, and uh, we will likely confirm said request unless you are some sort of
0: war criminal. (laughs) Right, right, right. And of course, as we like to say at the end of every episode, it's uh, time to give some credit and some thanks to super producer Casey Pegram.
1: Researcher extraordinaire Christopher Haciotis, Alex Williams, who composed our theme music. Uh, ben, uh, thank you. Hey, Noel, I'm so glad you brought this up. Thank just, you, bro. Just for being you, and yeah. and, and thank you. Um, they, what, should, what should I call you? Gladwin? Is that okay?
3: That, that works for me.
1: Thank you, Gladwin. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. For joining us yeah. on the show today. Um, um, the yeah, it was a lot of fun, and uh, everybody, we'll see you next time.